see if this works. I bought this little Ooh. little guard here, and I was listening back to my other podcast I'm on, and I was realizing, I was like, I get a lot of bad audio pops on my Ps, see? which is generally what happens with people. So I was like, I'm going to buy this little windsock here, see if this helps. You had a couple of them on our last episode, and when you first were introducing this piece, I was like, whoa, he actually listened back to the pod. He actually did it. <laughs> but no, no, that's not the case. Is it? You listen to your other pod, but this pod's not good enough. Okay, I see. You're not going to review like your it. work here. So yeah, I'm supposed to be spending this time moving boxes over the new house. My uh, art, yeah. Because there's so much Blazer stuff to talk about. Yeah. Had a great time on there, and obviously it's paid off. It's paid some dividends already, like talking to this and maybe getting more connection or kind of networking going with us and the pod and them and all the rest. Uh, but uh, I had a voice recorder set up in the background on my phone before I asked any questions of Jamal, and I totally didn't hit record. Oh, I, no. asked him, I asked him four questions, and he had legit good answers. But I wasn't writing it down at the time because I was trying to, like, focus on having li- real conversation. Uh, and I was just, like, I was rolling on this voice recorder, and I kind of tabbed over to it after the call was done. I'm like, what? Where? What? <laughs> just, uh, I felt like such an idiot. Test, test, test. Test, 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 test. Well, hello, Rip City, to all of you in town and out of town and every corner of the interwebs. Thank you for tuning in here with you from Hood River. My name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, let's raise a toast to the co-host with the most, Christopher Joseph Burkhart. What's up, sir? Toasting my non-existent beverage. It was beautiful. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Well, well, hey, welcome to another one. We talked last week with Jamie, and we uh, usually would be taking a week off here because I am lazy in the off-season, and I have other things to do, like moving, but we are having almost a secret podcast, which, uh, apologies, Abby, I know I should be spending my time moving, but uh, we're, we got a lot to talk about. There are a lot of Blazer things happening, so you should have just been smart. You should, you should have uh, recorded yourself, like, taping boxes, and you know, that sound of, like, the oh, tape ripping. okay, okay. And, yeah, and then the sound of you throwing stuff in the boxes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can get that together in the post. I can I can make this all work out. Yeah, I, that's good. That's a good idea. Good good editing. Or maybe I should uh, I should uh, reach out to the professionals. You should show me how you uh, you know work this stuff out around on your end. It sounds like you've experienced this before. You've maybe uh, done this a few times. So I'm doing it. No, I'm not gonna. It right now. <laughs> I'm not even on this podcast. I recorded my part yesterday, and I'm just hoping that you're, you, like, your talent is enough to fill the gaps and understand. Just, yeah. Just know what I'm about just, to talk. Just very, very smart chemistry. Yep. We don't talk over each other ever. Nothing, not, nothing like that ever happens. Anyway, let's get to it. We do have plenty to talk about, so jumping right in here. Congratulations to Rick Adelman. Uh, the former Blazers coach was accepted into the Naismith Hall of Fame last weekend. First things first, he, he made sure to congratulate his, uh, the most important part of his life. He said, my greatest accomplishment is the Blazers. No, no, it was not the Blazers. It was my family. So good on him for that. But he also did pay a lot of respect to Rip City, specifically Paul Allen and Jeff Petrie. There was a story, Chris, I don't know if you caught the speeches from the Hall of Fame, but there was a story uh, from Adelman where he was talking about being roommates with Jeff Petrie before becoming the head coach. Can you imagine that kind of process? Like, it's just... It, is, it just struck me at the time of like it's such a funny thing to kind of be peers in that way and then later on Jeff Petrie on a very young Blazers franchise is being led by this guy who used to be his peer and is now his uh, 
his his boss in in yeah in, in many ways. Yeah, it's it's a tough dynamic. I think only certain people can can pull that off. I mean, it's <laughs> like would it be able like think about like Evan Turner retiring and going straight into assistant coaching? Like if he were to get a head head coaching gig, like could you imagine like Evan Turner being like Damian Lillard's head coach when they were you know teammates for years and years? So yeah, right. it's, only a select few can pull that off. It's definitely weird for sure. And even in like you know, like you're saying, if a player, if you go from being a player to being an assistant coach, maybe there's some hazing, right? Like the players will respect you, but also kind of maybe tease you, like, "Oh, you're one of us." Blah blah blah. We know those kind of relationships. But yeah, the idea of uh, roommate to head coach, I just feel like there'd be moments where Petrie had to be kind of blinking and being like, "Huh, you know, <laughs> how did this happen?" But yeah, congratulations to Adelman. Uh, was very cool. He did also talk about he referred to Jack as what he thinks of as a Hall of Fame coach. So again, I just thought that was pretty cool for portland fans and for ripsy in general just a lot of respect on uh, a very very national stage on, at the hall of fame speeches i think it's cool because it's uh you look at the at rick adelman right and it's like if it wasn't for the fact that ramsey went and won that title in 77 i mean rick adelman is the one people are talking about as the greatest blazer coach of all time not jack ramsey and i honestly think yeah. that if <laughs> i mean if rick adelman won one of those championships in the in the 90s i He's probably the greatest basketball coach the Blazers have ever had. I think he deserves to be in that conversation. Jack Ramsey, obviously, is Dr. Jackman, but Rick Adelman, boy, was he good and was the head guy for arguably the most dominant Blazer team you ever had and one of the most dominant teams the Blazers or uh, the NBA's seen. I mean, yeah, they didn't win a title, but they were going up against some of the – I mean, at that time in the league when you had, I mean, the bad boy Pistons, Michael Jordan's Bulls, like – there was tough right. competition at the time, and the Blazers are still fondly remembered, even though they never won a title. So, yeah, man, for a guy of Rick Adelman's stature to put some praise and respect on Dr. Jack does show you just how important Dr. Jack was to a lot of people. Okay, so that was a wonderful love fest to open up the show, but I do want to hit on something much more negative, something dun, dun, that's pissing dun. me off, and I just have to, I have to bitch and moan about this for a minute. Uh Listeners to the last couple episodes, you heard us talking about how the NBA teams, like the Nets, I almost became a Nets fan because they were the first team to mandate a vaccine uh, to enter the building. And they had options if you didn't have the vaccine, but they were really trying to push this forward uh, for the safety of all of us. The Blazers then jumped on, on board as well, and I was happy about that. We've also heard in the past the NBA is itself mandating that coaching staffs, uh, I believe a lot of front office staff, basically all uh, NBA officials, basically most of the NBA personnel that are going to be interacting with players, there is a mandate out there for them to get vaccinated. But we learned today, per Baxter Holmes and Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, that the players themselves will not have a mandate to be vaccinated. Uh, it was apparently a non-starter for the NBPA, the Players Association, in negotiations. And my first thought is, what the f***, CJ? No, I, I, I know that he's not really. <laughs> CJ's not actually in charge yet. He'll be, what, the the VP, the vice president, once he kind of takes his office? But I don't think that is uh, yet in effect. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. I apologize. No, you're good. No, I, I don't think it is yet. Uh, if he is, then, I'm, uh, then he, I hold him personally accountable. Uh, no, not really. But if I do want... If I want someone to yell out, or if anyone else does, I feel like the person to kind of point a finger out with this, as far as it being a non-starter for uh, um, vaccine mandate for players, is Michelle Roberts, the head of the NBPA. She has, on one hand, had quotes saying that 90% of the players' union, which, when when you say you're the players' union, that's the 
players, correct? That's I mean, there's no difference in the body of NBA players and players union. Am I wrong about that? To your understanding? I mean, I'm sure. I would assume so, but I guess not everybody. Not everybody's a part of the union. Um, oh, so maybe there are active players that are part of yeah, the union. There, I guess. Yeah, there may not be. So. And perhaps it could include retired players or people that are out of the league and have not yet officially retired, that kind of thing too. But one way or another, Michelle Roberts has said 90% of the players' union is vaccinated. So what is she doing making it a non-starter, pushing so hard for this 10% that aren't? It, it, when you're, when you're, in my mind, you're risking so much. If an outbreak happened because of even a few players that aren't, sure, if most of us are vaccinated, you're not going to get as many people hospitalized, but you're putting, if, if games have to be postponed at all or canceled, I haven't heard too many details yet on what the NBA is planning. We, when we saw in the bubble, they talked about, uh, they left room to reschedule games. I'm not sure if that's going to be the plan this year with a full 82 game schedule, uh, but you are risking players and teams' incomes if games get canceled. You're risking, again, if, if we don't have room to reschedule, possibly having uh, unbalanced records at the end of the season, or whatever that would cause. But most of all, you are risking the health of staff, uh, referees, officials who have been ordered to get vaccinated, and the fans who are also being told they have to have a vaccination to enter the building or they have to get a test right off the bat. Obviously, players will get tested, but... I'm just, I'm just confused as to why. The NBA obviously wants uh, a mandate out there. They are pushing hard for it. What is the motivation? What possible reasoning is there that we can't just all be on the same page about this? I know that I'm bitching and moaning. I know this is... I'm not trying to make this a political discussion, Chris, but I'm pissed off, man. Hey. <laughs> We're so close. We're so close. Hey, that's fair. And uh, But yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer. And it's, I think anything that, as you've seen, man, anything... When it comes to to vaccines, uh, it's it's a slippery slope. Either way you go, and it's it's a, it's very touchy. Um, if you wanted to argue why it makes sense, the only the only thing I could think of, Keith, is like when you think of of the numbers that people have put out there for uh, the general public, right? You know, trying to get to a seventy percent or an eighty percent vaccination rate, and that's where a lot of doctors say, you know, that's where you're in a in a safety zone or what have you. I mean, if at 90%, then you're doing, you're, yeah, right. You're in a pretty good spot uh, overall and your, your, your risks of overall outbreaks and, and all that are pretty low. Um, and I get that. And secondly, I mean, when you look at the NBA uh, going from the bubble to their full travel schedule uh, that they did last year, I, they've handled all their internal testings, this and that fairly, fairly well. Um, so I think that's the plus side on there dealing with the players who aren't going to get vaccinated, who are going to have to deal with all the extra precautions that they take. Um, and, and again, I mean, I think as a player and you start to look at this, I mean, do you, if, if I think as a player, if you're on the fence and getting vaccinated and you're watching all your teammates who, who aren't or who are vaccinated, who don't have to go through the, as much testing as you who don't have to adhere to the same restrictions that you do wearing masks or what have you uh maybe that starts to wear on you and that's the little thing that maybe can push you over the edge and convince you to get it so i think you know hopefully it balances out in the long run um right but i also think like it's tough too i mean it's a team sport and i i, I just don't like what would bother me if i were playing and is like how that dynamic starts working within the locker room i mean yeah big time uh, especially like how do you handle that like if like i'm fully vaccinated um and like i have just shared that with you in the masses but it's not something that i go and, and talk about because that's like whatever but it's like i make my choices with who i who i 
congregate with, right? And and there's people who are close to me who aren't vaccinated, who I've just chosen just for just safety reasons and not want to bring it home to my kids or whatnot, just to, to stay away from. So it's like, if those are the things you're trying to make, but then the person in the locker next to you is not <laughs> vaccinated, like, right. how does that affect the okay, locker so, room? I think those are little things you have to worry about. But at the end of the day, so the, I trust what the NBA is doing just because I think they've handled it well since day one, man. You're making a great point, though. Let's just do a quick follow-up on this, too. Uh, and first off, yes, you are right that this situation will probably put pressure on those who are staying unvaccinated to maybe think, like, hey, what am I having to deal with here? Because the NBA has clearly said they're going to put lockers as far away as possible for, like, unvaccinated players will not, uh, like, they'll be on the separate side of the locker room. They're going to have to eat separately, be bused separately. I think they also are flying separately. So there's going to be a lot of expense and kind of some isolation being put in. Again, like I, like we both have said, the NBA is on the right page here. I, and, and fine, yeah, it's we want to maintain personal choice and mandates are not always the way to go. But man, we're just so close to this. And it really just, uh, we, we, we're, we were almost there. It's crazy to me. There's such a weird double standard that children coming into the building will have to be vaccinated. Uh, but the millionaires down in the middle of the thing will not be double standards suck and that, that's just the, the big thing putting people at risk but not saying like that it's earlier, the answer either but if you look at it right Keith, and you sit here and you go we're not we are not going to mandate a vaccine but 90 percent of our players are vaccinated and then and then you know two weeks into the season you're like 91 percent and or, or right, whatever yeah. and there are people how does it affect people who are on the fence themselves like okay well yeah those these nba players that i respect they were on the fence and now they're getting it like i, I don't know How about this, it, none of it makes sense to me because i'm more of the kind that like I, I and to be clear to all the listeners before they want to go this chris kid is dumb i'm just playing devil's advocate <laughs> and bringing up any possible uh reasons why it makes sense because to me i had watched the news and from my personal well-being i was like okay when can my age group get the vaccine? Because yeah, I want to get in get line. I'd rather be safe than sorry. Like, so for, I mean, I don't know. It's crazy and it's tough, man. It's tough. Okay. And, and look, I just, uh, again, want to point out like, the, the players are going to be seated separately in the locker room. They're going to be eating, flying, busing separately. We're going to know. We're going to know very quickly as far as the media around the NBA. We're going to know which players are and are not vaccinated. Or at the very least, they're going to have and a pretty good idea because you're going to see it and it's not like people aren't going to talk about it. So if people want to argue the personal choice thing or the, the, the private choice thing, it's not going to stay that way. It just, I, I, like you said, if the pressure, this is a way hopefully of just without actually forcing anyone to do something they don't want to do. It's a way to put pressure on, make them see how awkward and comfortable it is, how the extra costs are going to mount up over time. And hopefully things kind of swing around. But like I said earlier, if you want to point a finger right now, I think the, the finger and the Trailcaster's seal of disapproval is uh, here from Michelle Roberts. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, man, it's I just would I would just prefer people go get it and we kick this thing to the curb. So this isn't in an, isn't a damn conversation we have to have about you know our favorite league, yeah. our favorite league in the world. Um, yeah. but, but let's be completely honest. You, you know, you know where leniency is and why it's not, um, completely, um, completely mandated. I think part of it is because the NBA has definitely built itself as a player's league, right? So they don't want to do anything that makes it feel like they're hampering what the player, their player's freedom, this and that. Uh, but secondly, I mean, 
one of the the most vocal about the vaccine and being against it this off season was Dennis Schroeder, and we saw that the A that cost him some money in free agency, uh, yeah. But B, it's Dennis Schroeder. Like I okay <laughs> outside outside of the his stance on his outside of the stance on on vaccines, like what have you, whatever. The dude's phenomenal. About like as a backup guard, like. When he was playing in Oklahoma City, and you're like, you have Russ and Dennis, like that's a plethora of riches. You have a starting caliber guard as your backup guard, um, and now he gets to take those those talents to Boston. But at the same time, what I'm trying to say is he's not Dame, he's not LeBron, he's not Russell Westbrook, right? He's not he's not Kevin Durant. Like, if it were those guys who weren't vaccinated, then maybe the NBA is going. Whoa, 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 whoa. We cannot run the risk of LeBron missing two weeks of action. We can't run the See, risk of, Le- of Damian Lillard missing two weeks of action. Dennis Schroeder has to quarantine for two weeks. Ah, what, <laughs> whatever. We still have, we still have but that's just, Jason. It's, it's, I mean, follow, follow the money. Follow the money. It, it's, it's just even more conspiracy notes for me, though, where it's like, who is Michelle Roberts protecting? If, is, is, she's not putting her neck out for. Ten percent of that ten percent is only Dennis Schroeder. Who who's the big name that's so anti-vax? And we're gonna find out. We're gonna see the locker room and the busting and the eating situ- situation. Or we're gonna hear about it in the media. So, but also uh, get ready to also, be exposed. And, you know, also, yeah. let's throw this this alternative <laughs> out there too. Um, and no, obviously I'm not a medical expert. That's why I trust the medical experts when they tell me the vaccine's okay. That's why I went and got it because I trust the people <laughs> who are the experts. But the first thing, honestly, that I should have brought to up when you brought this up, a, a reason in not completely mandating it is is how it could affect certain people. Like how like where are your studies on how the the, the COVID nineteen vaccine or any vaccine for that matter uh, affects someone who has underlying heart problems, right? So do you want to put Lamarcus Aldridge in the situation where hey, you've been medically cleared to come back, everything's good, but as my daughter walks up, that's why you're hearing some some music. Hopefully, that's you know not oh, licensed. Oh, yeah, good, you're good. Um, <laughs> but no, with, with Lamarcus Aldridge, right? Like, you don't want to run where the situation where it's like, okay, now you're yeah. forced to get this vaccine that we don't know how it affects you with your current heart situation, um, and right. now we're forcing you to get it, or you're forced to retire. And so I think that's where you kind of have to leave that door open just a little bit. And there could be people who aren't vaccinated if for a certain yeah, health reason. Yeah, I, I hear you, and I'm fine with that. I'm completely fine with having a health reason and to be honest if you have a personal reason to get it or to not want to get it and you're it's a a decent one like sure i'm just not for anti (laughs) i'm just not for anti-vax propaganda being spewed i love that qualifier of a decent one yeah we'll we'll, uh we'll 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 figure that one out i don't know if we will figure that one out at some point i i I might be a little more uh (laughs) aggressive about some of the stance that i i'm a yeah, if you have a health reason, obviously that's totally fine. If you if it's a health reason, I have no problem with it. Uh, but uh, anyone else, the religious reasons and the rest, I'm uh, I, I feel like the public safety is more important. But, but that's not what we're here Let's to talk also about. not gloss over the fact that the NBA is missing a huge marketing opportunity here with something as simple as like <laughs> you got to take the shot to take the shot. To like <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like if you if, oh my like, god. <laughs> This, this is marketing 101. It writes itself. You got to take the shot to take the shot. Boom. Like, oh, that's incredible. That's in, that's like right out of some like 90s movie. Like, wait, where's where's Woody Harrelson, man? That's oh, that's, that's beautiful. Dude, this is I on love t- it. This is on t-shirts. Wesley like, Snipes. Oh, come on. 
<laughs> oh, it's so you good. Take the okay. shot if you want to take shots, my man. Hey, and speaking of Woody and Wesley from uh from one of the most amazing hoop movies ever made. Let's talk about some outdoor basketball. The league is looking at outdoor games for bumping up again for some more promos and profits. Uh Baseball just had their Field of Dreams game this last season where they had players emerging from corn just like the movie and you know, all the rest of it. Are, you're, a, you're a baseball guy, correct? Did you watch this game? Oh, yeah. It's probably the best baseball game of the year, man. That thing was wonderful. Yeah, really? Oh, gosh. It, yeah. it, was, it was a pretty good effect. Like, you were pretty happy with the whole Field of Dreams thing? Oh, I mean, it had nothing to do with the field. It had everything to do with the fact <laughs> that the baseball game was legit. And the, but the, but, oh, okay. but be, being at the Field of Dreams... Um, coming out uh, i mean home runs going into the cornfield is pretty sweet yeah that's uh, cool and there's a I huge like connection idea. there just to the history of baseball uh so i loved it i think a better comparison though keith is is the winter classics that the nhl does where you, where you take a game that is yes it's played a lot uh out, outside on frozen lakes in your youth but you take a game that's predominantly a, 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 i mean it's an arena game in a and you take yeah, that yeah. and you put it into a yankee stadium or a fenway park and you play it outside under the elements um I, I think it's cool. I think the NBA should do this a hundred freaking percent, man. I'm not, I don't care. Yeah. I know uh, there's things you, people would worry about. What about the wind? What about this? What about like, okay. Yeah. You're going to, I mean, I think there needs to be like a threshold. Like if, if the wind's too high or this and that, then you got to postpone it or whatnot. But dude, could you, I, I mean, dude, like blazers, Lakers, Rucker park. Oh my gosh. You cannot, oh you cannot God. tell me. That wouldn't pull a rating, especially especially if they play at one of these classic outdoor parks. But they gotta keep the chain net. Like they can't put on. Oh, like they gotta the, keep, the they gotta keep go that oh, chain net. Oh, that'd be net. so good. I mean. Oh, that'd be nice. I mean, and you see all the highlights, like when uh, some of these pro players go and, and pick play pickup games or the pro ams or what have you at these famous uh, basketball places, man. I would, but oh gosh, I'm all for it. I think it would be so cool and a way just to really, really connect to the true, like the basketball head. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I think it'd be phenomenal. Yeah, I, I think it'd be amazing. I, I love the idea of it. And uh, well, I mean, I just want to, you know, you, 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 again, the professional segue quality that Chris Burkhart brings to the show here. You're talking pro-ams and all this. I can just, you know, drift right over to, let, let's talk about a, a guy who's pretty famous for his pro-ams in recent years. So he's been doing, doing a lot of these kind of games up in Seattle, uh, a Pacific Northwest native, Jamal Crawford. Uh, Never heard of him. <laughs> Former Blazer Jamal Crawford uh, was doing a thing on Twitter Spaces just the other day, and it, you know, it, it was fun because it's kind of one of these where uh, a celebrity or athlete gets on uh, and just kind of almost an ask me anything, where everyone kind of piles in, like you know, tons of just your, your Twitter listeners, and he's people are raising their hands, and he's clicking on on people individually so they can kind of just come on and ask him a question. We had a lot of stuff on there about. Uh, his career, TV shows he likes, how the league has changed, his uh, Kobe memories, how what he thinks Kevin Durant, Seattle uh, ball scene versus the Portland uh, ball scene. There was some really good dialogue in there. But the highlight of this, Mr. Burkhart, was they let me in. They, they, I raised my hand at one point. I had some questions for Jamal. And they let me ask not one, not two, not three, but like four or five different questions here. And we did talk some places. I asked him about some stuff, what he thought about Chauncey, uh, as far as like a, what kind of coaching style we should expect, what kind of defensive difference uh, we could expect maybe this first season. But tying back to this outdoor court stuff, Jamal Crawford 
his biggest concern, like the biggest thing that he was uh, worried about when I was asking him what he thinks of, the, of this out, these outdoor games is what are they going to do about fans? Like you don't have space at Rucker Park for any sort of bleach, like bleachers or anything else. You're going to have basically what can lie in the court, maybe a little more than that, but not a whole lot. And honestly, if this is supposed to be a promotional thing, uh, maybe a, for lack of a better term, a money grab for the NBA, that's an issue. No, that's no, a, a legit issue. No, it's not. Not at all. Well, you don't. I mean, oh, look, I'm not saying it's an issue for the money. They're going to make no, money that's, on plenty that, of other promotions. Yeah, because it's not being put on for the fans. It's not, or not. I mean, excuse me. It's being put on for the fans. It's not being put on for twenty thousand fans in attendance. And the, if you're playing, okay, if you're okay, playing gotcha. a game uh, at, at a Rutger or a Venice Beach or or what have you, you're purely doing it for the TV side of things because it's going to be a TV spectacle because you obviously you're limited. Oof. You're limited by your crowd sizes. You're limited in the things you can do in person. So you turn this into as much of a media spectacle, uh, an event that you can uh, and go all out. And I think, I think honestly, like going back to, to a, a, a Rucker, if you only have a few hundred people or however many people can fit in the cages there and you, you are seriously, no stands fans standing up right on the base like like just like you would uh, just like you would see a real game at rucker park right like yeah that is what i as a fan that's what i would want to see I, like don't 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 make it an nba experience that just happens to be at rucker park make it an nba game but it's a rucker park experience and then translate that to tv that's that's what i want to see and to be honest i think you take a lot of these these uh, pro athletes, these NBA players who played at these parks growing up, I think they would love the chance to play a game, oh, yeah. a game there in this setting. And again, like if only Jamal Crawford was still in the league, man, I just feel like he is, he is the player prototype of the kind of player that you'd want for these kind of games. Just insane handles, yep. jump shot from anywhere. Just, Oh man, I, I, I would love to see it. But yeah, dude, uh, Let's move on. Just just dive in on that a little bit more. It was a really cool experience talking with Jamal Crawford on space. Just getting like the personal kind of dialogue in there. I'm sure you're used to this. You guys, the, you guys have uh, no idea how messages. cool it was because I woke up to missed text messages from our boy Keith just <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> oh my God, Burkhart. Jamal Crawford no, no, just answered my question. No, hold on. Hold on. The, the, you could, if you're waking up to Jamal Crawford, that was the other day. That was mid-afternoon that I was, I think, talking to him. It was today, though. It was this morning, the follow-up. The guy that had hosted with Jamal that kind of started running the show for him a little bit as far as, like, putting up people's hands because there were some technical issues. It was, I think, Crawford's first time doing the Twitter Spaces thing. There was a little confusion about people unmuting and muting mics. You know, the same thing we see from professionals uh, in a post-game. Uh, right. <laughs> like Jason Quick and the rest. Shout out Jason Quick. Hey! Uh, but... Yeah, uh, the guy that was running the show for, for Crawford after a while, uh, Chris, over at Hoop Spaces, hey! he reached out to me. He let me know they were doing another one today. A lot of it was Blazer Dialogue, so I hopped on there this morning. And yeah, I was sending you, come on, Chris. Come on, Burkhart. Let's get in here. Let's represent the Trailcasters. But it was cool, man. I think because I'd gone on and talked to him yesterday, we jumped in today. Shout out to, uh, to Dia, to Taylor J, Courtside Kev, some of the other Blazer people that were in there. But Dia was speaking when I hopped in, and she and Chris over at Hoop Spaces both gave Trailcasters a shout out right hey! on the Twitter Spaces. So we're getting we're getting some new listeners. Hello, if this hey! is your first episode listening to Trailcasters after maybe seeing us and following on there, uh, thank you for joining in. Uh, the big thing, though, the, the rambling point that I'm trying to make here 
is I think we need to get on this spaces thing, man. Uh, Chris is pretty cool about it. He he seems to want to maybe uh, maybe talk a little more. So you know more to come. But you and I, sir, need to do some expanding, Mr. Burkhart. Yeah, man, I'm a hundred percent down. I'm I'm a huge uh, proponent for that. I've, I I uh, I t- I want to do a live podcast, man. Like I think it'd be yeah. fun as hell to to do this bad boy live and edit it later and you know if we go three hours because fans want to jump in hey! and do it but yeah, yeah dude have some live people i'm down for great. that man you look at you look at what uh jay crossover did there and what people do I'm, I'm a huge 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 fan of any entity property persona whatever being as involved with the fans as they can because like the the fans the fans are what make you man like the people who listen to this podcast hey! and it doesn't matter if we have five listeners or five thousand listeners they're all just as important because if it's oh, if, okay. if no one clicks in then we're just speaking to each other in a big dark void and we would still do it but it's just way more fun when we know people are listening Keep going up, by the way. Five thousand is low. Like you keep 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 pushing up, man. This is trailcast we're talking about here. We're we're we're, we're reaching everywhere. There are we arbitrary got, we got numbers. <laughs> so here here's the thing, Keith. Jay crossover makes me think, and you and you brought up how, you know, if only he were still in the league, he's the perfect player for this. Hey, why isn't he? Because the boy can. He's just he's gonna be a walking bucket till yeah till, till the day he kicks the bucket like. Like it, eighty year eighty no 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 I'm just saying like ninety year old Jay crossover is probably still gonna be able to cross up young cats so um, yep, but yep. It, it, it's a good question because I think he's a player that that could still find a spot in this league uh, even into his forties now but if you could take a player Keith and I have a couple that I'd love but if you could take a player a, a, a former Blazer and put them on this team uh, and I and and let's be clear like a player that like could still play like right now i don't want to go back and say oh bill walton but like you know a guy who's you know in their 30s whatever like who would you put on this team because for me i i I got a couple but i'm asking you first who would you put on this team if you could you go back and be like i want this player from 2005 in their prime on this score oh my god man like when 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 you put this in here when you first put this to me earlier that one of the first players that i thought of i feel like this is kind of an easy answer sabas the idea of having like a, 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 a more formed Nurk in here to almost kind of show Nurk the ropes. The idea of kind of almost like like two generations of, of Nurk coming up. I just feel like it would be such a dominant piece for what this team has been missing for so long. I, I That was, I think, maybe the big one. And honestly, someone we mentioned earlier, um, uh, Petrovic. Uh, having Drazen, like having a, a wing player, I feel like what he could do in the modern game, he was a player that was ahead of his time and as short as, yes, as he, he was, was around. So I just feel like... Uh, the, the dragon would have been a player that you could easily plug in and just be like, how awesome that would be. But I don't know. It's okay. That, well, I know those are maybe kind of two cliche ones. What, yeah. Those what are two, think? those are two cliche for me. You went, you went, you went, with, you went with big names. Um, that were, it's that, just, that it's were good who I players, thought it was. good players. Uh, no, seriously. And I, I, I've said this before many a time on record cause I truly believe it, but boy, if you could go back to pre Trevor Ariza, dirty foul and give me, a young, oh. in, like in his prime, Rudy Fernandez. Holy crap, would he be oh. good? In, I, I think, but you you talk about Drazen being ahead of his time. I think Rudy Fernandez, what his, his game was just too early for that time in the NBA. Like like he would thrive if you had that Rudy Fernandez in today's NBA. 
where teams like Golden State really push the pace and take a lot of threes. And like I said, the game moves faster than ever before. Holy heck, I'd love him coming off the bench. And secondly, again, I'm not going with the cliche names, but if you could give me Prime, which is a term we'll use loosely here, but if you could give me, <laughs> you could give me Prime Martell Webster, I would take that over. Oh, there you I'd go. take that over Ben McLemore and Tony Snell coming off the bench to give me threes because I and Sneller and that might be the wrong thing to say. I just I was a huge <laughs> huge fan of Martell Webster and my nickname for him. Uh, like it wasn't his nickname but it was my nickname for him was uh poetry in motion because i thought his shooting form was just pure poetry i love it pure poetry <laughs> so if you give me prime again i use that term loosely because it's not like he was that great of a player but right, if you right. give me prime rotation level martell webster coming off the bench give me 15 minutes a game and jacking up corner threes i'd be a happy camp and it shows you kind of again where the where the real frustrations have been with the Blazers for a long time running uh, has not necessarily been the starters, but it's been like the 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 wing depth essentially. Uh, quick other story on Martel Webster, my wife Abby back in the day before we got married, she was working at a bike camp for kids with special needs, where Martel came and did some volunteering as well. I show up to take some photos of the camping of, of the of the bikers helping them out, and out walks this dude. I'm like, whoa! Like I know who that guy is, and uh, got a nice little kind of hello and handshake and quick picture with with Martel. So if we're very gonna, cool guy. If we're gonna share Blazer stories. So oh, you got I know you got me trumped on that. I just I got. Why do I got you there. trumped on that? I'm not using. No, no, no. You, I can't say if you're gonna talk Blazer stories <laughs> and then share one from being a reporter that's not fair because i get experiences that a lot of people don't get but just from a pure pure fan perspective is fifth grade i was in pleasant valley elementary school uh you know out here in portland gresham border and uh we had uh, that was back then it was when dairy queen was like very very tied to the blazers or all their sponsorship everyone remembers the classic the DQ glasses. glasses, right? Yeah. Well, they had a co- they had a, a competition where you, know, you go and you buy your glasses, buy your blizzard, or whatever. Enter to win a chance to to have a blazer come to your school. Well, a kid at our school happened to win, so we all show up for an assembly, and it's a it's it's, it's equal parts good slash bad story. But we all show oh. up for an assembly, and we're all waiting for a blazer to come in, and here comes young rookie Jermaine O'Neal. So Jermaine O'Neal comes in, meets, meets everyone is telling blazer stories. We're all starstruck, right? Uh, he signed, it was really funny. He signed a picture for the kid and then I'm going to have to go digging for it because I know I still have it, but he signed a picture for the kid and then the principal in the front office took it and photocopied it and gave everyone a photocopy. (laughs) So I got a black and white photocopy of the, of of Jermaine O'Neal's signature there. You guys all got like the bootleg. Oh yeah, like, said, like it's, bootleg black, it's black and white. Like it's been, like oh yeah, it's it's bad. I know I have it somewhere. That's great. But that was funny because like, but then I had a band recital that night, and it was the big, big one where uh, at Centennial back when they were a huge band district, like they had a big recital towards the end of the year where you'd have the high school, the middle school, and all the elementary schools play at once at the high school. So we all had to go to to practice. Oh yeah. So, I'm a band geek. I yeah, remember that. So everyone in band had to leave before the actual Jermaine O'Neal assembly was over. So I had to oh, get up. No. I had to get up and leave halfway through, and I missed Jermaine what? O'Neal 
showing all the kids there how to dunk because he dunked on the rim what? and then played a few no. minutes of yeah and then played a few minutes of pickup ball with all the kids like it was like you know oh my seven God. foot tall Jermaine O'Neal <laughs> versus every elementary school kid and I missed it because I had to go to the band recital. Oh, that is like the worst, worst motivation ever as far as joining up and playing music or being in band. That is horrible. Absolutely. I missed, I missed getting to <laughs> watch Jermaine O'Neal dunk on, on eight-year-olds. Like you would have been, oh, the stuff we're seeing with Jason Tatum now, like swatting the little kids at the basketball camp in the summer. You would have been that before social media, man. You would have been like going up for a layup on the rim. He would have put you flat on your back. Right. Oh, that would have been a life experience. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It would have been great. But that's, that's one of my favorite Blazer stories. Because as a kid, when you watch a seven-foot tall NBA yeah. player, you're like, oh, yeah. my. Like, you feel like you have to yell as loud as you can just for someone whose head's that high up in the clouds to be able to actually Just never you. seen someone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Gosh, it was wonderful. That's awesome. I love it. Okay, okay. Let's focus in a little bit here. The Blazers season is getting close. We are 21 days away uh, from either what? Training camp or preseason? I think that's preseason, right? When it, when it all starts up. But uh, yeah, it, things, are, things are coming along. We've probably had most of our moves for this summer. We'll get a little more into that towards the end of this. But we did have one more pickup. The Blazers signed... Veteran forward, Patrick Patterson, Pat Pat himself. Uh, I think the biggest implication for the Trocasters, Chris, is this means that I probably have to stop referring to Pat uh, Pat Connaughton as Patty Pat 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 3-Ball because Pat Pat is kind of already a taken nickname. Hey, I feel it's like it's kind a, of it's infringing just, on the copyright. It's just a training camp deal. You don't know he's going to be here long term yet. <laughs> okay, that's fair too. Oh, just throwing shade right at the beginning, throwing some I water on it. I don't, I don't, I don't even want him because I'm a fan of patty pat 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 three ball or whatever the hell you say. yes yes there you planet perfect. planet pat uh oh well that you know i guess that kind of uh answers my follow-up as far as what pat pat's role will be here we don't really know even know if he'll be on the team yet so that's fine we will come back to that another point i do want to have a quick side note on mellow before we dive into the roster a little more though chris haynes i just saw reported right before we started podcasting today that uh Portland apparently had no interest in Mello is the way that Haynes was kind of shaping this. He said that the Pelicans, the Sixers, and the Knicks all showed interest in signing Carmelo Anthony before he signed with the Lakers, obviously. But the Blazers never reached out to even discuss a contract renewal. In my mind, I'm kind of like, good? <laughs> it's like, we've talked before. It was fun to watch Mello here in Portland. It was cool to have part of his Hall of Fame career be spent here, especially towards the end of it. But we're at the point where we need to tighten it up. I, do, I didn't want him on the roster this next year. He wasn't always the best decision maker. He wasn't, obviously, he wasn't anywhere near the best on defense. And that's been a huge focus for the Blazers this season, this summer, excuse me, is getting better on the defensive end. Uh, you could also mention that he took shots away from some of the young dudes that we are now trying to develop, like Anthony, Nas, and particularly at the time, there was a game or two with Gary Trent Jr. where we wanted Gary to be a bigger part of the offense to up his trade value. And Melo had, I think, five, six more shots than Gary had in the game. It was a point of criticism at the time. But I know you, Mr. Burkhardt, have said before uh, you might have been a little more warm on Melo if he did come back here. How do you feel, especially with Portland as, as a uh, really trying to up their free agent destination kind of uh, image? Is this hurtful? Is this something that might kind of come back and sting a little bit? Well, it's kind of twofold here. First off, I mean, in Mello's interview with Chris Haynes, he said that he he uh, found himself waiting on Portland, as in there was there was no communication, and it, it, it sounded like Anthony 
just wanted even the common courtesy from Portland to be like, yeah, Mello, thanks, but we're, we're just not interested in, in bringing you back Yikes. at this time. Um, because if you listen, yeah, if you go good. back and listen to to the the, po- the posted up podcast uh, with Chris Haynes, um, yeah, it really did actually sound like if if Portland would have been in the running for Mello, that they would have had a very good chance of re-signing Mello. Because uh, Mello said that he did not want to leave Damon CJ. He liked the relationships he built. He had built there, um, mm. and that he really liked the relationships he had built with the fan base. And he really considered Portland home, um, which again, a oh, lot, wow. a lot of that can be lip service. Because I think any any sure, anybody's sure. gonna say they consider that you know that city home and, and blah blah blah. Uh, but honestly, when I listened to it the first time, I, it kind of did stick out to me that he said that he was just waiting on Portland to at least give him an indication of which way they wanted to go. Um, because I do think he was deserving of at least, I think anybody is deserving of that, honestly. But like, hey man, yeah. you know, you know, thanks for the last two years. It was wonderful, but, but we're, we're going to look to, to go in, in the next direction here and, and figure that out. And so go do your thing, figure it out. And, you know, he gets a chance to go somewhere else. So I don't like that. Uh, also, secondly, yes, it's mellow. Um, and he wasn't giving you what you wanted um, on the defensive side of the ball. He's not the mellow of all. I actually, I mean, I still liked what he did for Portland. Let's not forget of that. Of course, yeah. Like, yeah, we could pick on mellow all day long. Everybody is a great, you know, armchair quarterback, right? Um, but it, let's not forget that mellow won Portland games. Like, Yes, Mellow absolutely. won Portland games, um, especially in the previous season during the the bubble season, right? Like we needed him, and he was he was absolutely he essential. Ca- for he, us ca- to, he came up, he, he came up big, um, and I think bigger when you talk about free agents, Keith. Um, the the argument is that you always, you know, Portland is a hard free agent destination. Um, you can't get guys to want to come here. You, blah blah blah. And then you had a guy in Carmelo Anthony. He goes out and says, I didn't really want to leave Damon CJ. I wanted to be in Portland. Yeah. And you didn't even give him the common courtesy, according to Melo, to even say, hey, man, we're moving on. Um, so, the, again, that sends, that sends mixed messages um, there, too. Yeah. And here's the thing, Keith. As a fan, you can look at the production from Carmelo Anthony and say, yeah, like, we could, we could get better. Like, okay, Carmelo Anthony or Larry Nance Jr. I look at Larry Nance Jr. and I go for what Portland needs from their backup four position. I think at this point in their career, Larry Nance Jr. is the better fit. But Carmelo Anthony will always be Carmelo Anthony. And what I mean by that is he has a gravity about him. So when you're talking about yes. when you're talking about trying to get free agents to come in or get a player with a no trade clause to to waive that clause to come to Portland or whatnot. Every single player will almost always say yes to the chance to getting to play with Carmelo Anthony, right? So there's a huge right, gravity right. that he brings, a huge leadership role that he plays. He was definitely a leader in that locker room from day one. I mean, yes, it's Damian Lillard's locker room, but Damian Lillard respected the hell out of Carmelo Anthony. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think having players like that on your roster is huge. And for that alone, I think bringing him back could have been worth it. Um, find a role for him and, and, and this and that. But I also think the moving on from him is was the, the better option for what Portland needed to do. I just don't think ghosting him was the right, right was yeah. the right approach if he's to uh, be believed here. And again, I think that's something that should be um, afforded to everyone. I don't think anybody should have to be left in the dark as to what their future holds. Um, especially with the organization that they've represented, you know, for 
a handful of years. If there was no communication, hands down in any relationship, that's a problem. Like you, you need to be able to communicate and talk about this stuff. To ghost him is not the way to go about it. As far as his fit, if if we could have had him back here, let's look at the depth on this roster as we approach the season. Like we said, we're three weeks essentially out from from preseason start, and we are getting very close to the start start of the next season for the Blazers and the new roster. So. Let's skip by the point guard for a minute. Through basically the rest of the roster, I feel a lot better. I feel like there's a lot less obvious of a gap outside of the point guard again uh, than we've seen in seasons past. We are three or four deep at shooting guard with CJ, McLemore, Simons, uh, and Ellaby. Three deep at small forward, two or three deep at power forward, depending on who we kind of pick up in those final spots, two or three deep at center. The biggest question to me, Chris, I think remains what you do with some of these young guys. Anthony Simons is kind of a key part of our point guard rotation. And as we've discussed, it seems more and more apparent that he might not really be a point guard. So we've got Dennis Smith Jr. in the, uh, who had the training camp invite and we talked about before, uh, as probably having to be slotted in there. Uh, he may not be the best player as far as like, these, these extra guys we're picking from would be Dennis Smith Jr., Patrick Patterson, who we mentioned earlier, Marquise Chris from the Warriors, who we have now signed to a training camp deal as well. These three are essentially competing for what? One or two spots, depending on if the Blazers are going to hold 14 or 15 players. And what I'm trying to say is, and I think what you pointed out last time as well, uh, you're welcome, is that <laughs> Dennis Smith Jr. is pretty much an essential to add. Is that right? Uh, I, think it's, I think if you're signing a guy between him... Um, and Marquise Chris, I think it's I think it's Dennis Smith Jr.'s to lose just because I think he fills a void that Portland needs more, and that's just a true backup point guard. Um, and he wouldn't be the backup. Ant would be the backup, but having that third guard in there. Because I think what's more pivotal to the Blazers, honestly, is if Dame goes down, um, is slotting in guards to play that position. So I would rather, yes, he finds success there, but I would rather play ant or if you had a dennis smith jr at the one and keep cj at the two to keep norm at the three to keep roco at the four to not have to shovel yeah. so many pieces at one time um like yeah if you put cj at the one you get a lot out of it but then are you gonna start you know macklemore at the two or what are you gonna do i mean unless you go cj at the one and i think starting ant at the two would make a ton of sense uh, if if Dame were to get hurt, but in that situation, your backup point guard is now starting a two guard, and you have no extra depth should a point guard get injured. That's why I think Dennis Dennis, Dennis Smith would be a smart add because I just want that extra true um, point guard depth. Uh, I think Patty Pat Pat not three ball confuses um, <laughs> that a little bit because I think he would be a I think he'd be a good addition um, because he's talented and then that veteran presence is huge uh, um, there. And it's a guy that you can slot in, play that for, um, and you're not going to lose a ton um, if you just run into a situation where you need to throw that in there and get some minutes. Um, so, I mean, if you looked at those three, how you're going, I think it's S Smith, Pat, um, and then Marquise Chris. I really don't see Marquise Chris on this team. I see Pat uh, Patterson is very low percentage, and I, I don't see Dennis Smith as a uh, a huge percentage to get on the team. I just think of those three, it would be his to lose. And the other person we're not mentioning here would, that's in the mix as well as, as uh, Portland's draft pick this year, Greg Brown. Uh, obviously, being the draft pick, he's in a little different contract situation, but uh, we basically have 12 players for sure locked in and then smith jr would be the 13th 
it now comes down to Pat Pat, Marquise Chris, Greg Brown competing for that 14th and 15th spot. And again, there's not really any strong evidence that the Blazers would necessarily carry 15. Do you have any insight as far as that goes? Is that more of a statism where he always wanted to have that open spot, or is that just more of a standard NBA practice? See, but, but I mean, Greg Brown's under contract, though. Like, Greg, Greg Brown is not... So he's locked in. He's locked in. Greg, Greg, Brown, so, Greg Brown is signed. So that means that we have 13 in. Yeah, thank you. For, this is why you're the professional. Uh, th- we have 13 guys in here. Dennis Smith Jr. would be the 14th. And again, do we... Pat Pat or Marquise Chris, that makes them a, the, the 15th fan of the roster. And I feel like when I brought this up before with other, other friends and, and Blazers fans, there's not really a lot of people that feel confident they would even go for 15. Um, I, th- I think it, I think it kind of depends on, on what you're looking at. I think... I think you got you brought in these guys because a you need training camp bodies, um, so you don't always read into it too much. That's why I don't even see a, a great great chance for Dennis Smith Jr. But you need bodies. It allows you to play five on five and rest players and this and that. Um, but I think I think fourteen is probably the way to start myself um, and leave that roster spot open because you never know what's going to happen. Um, with the situation with Portland and, and continuing to be connected to, to Ben Simmons or any other potential trades that could, could arise out there. I think especially to start the season, if you can if you can maybe leave that spot open so that maybe you run into a situation where you can do a two-for-one or a three-for-two trade, right, and bring back that extra body to fill that spot. Um, and then you have that especially towards, you know, maybe the end of the season too. I think if you look at the way Neil Olshay works – you have that extra roster spot open. Well, then come waiver wire time. I mean, look at uh, what Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor were. They both waiver pickups. Like, yep, yep. so, so I think leaving that spot open rather than having to, okay, so and so was just cut. Now we need to get him. Who do we cut to get that spot up? Like, uh, I, I think that is um, kind of the smart move to start the year then if injuries come in and you have to use those spots then you do it um but i think that's a smart way to go or you go and you say you see what dennis smith is doing and you sign him up lock it up and then you look at the rest of your roster and see who uh is expendable should waiver time come i i told you this uh in a text message the other day but i'll throw it out to the world there too and they can you know yell at me for it but it's like you look at (laughs) you, you, you look at names like patrick patterson or dennis smith jr i mean I'd rather have either one of them than CJ Ellaby, if we're being completely honest, because I think that I think that Dennis Smith really yep. really fills that void uh, of a third having a true third point guard on the roster. Pat Patterson gives you a little more depth at power forward, which is what you definitely need on this team. Uh, and CJ Ellaby is not going to sniff the floor this year, uh, so, yeah. so like I'd rather have both those guys than CJ Ellaby, if we're being completely honest. And that's LB is essentially the fourth string shooting guard right now. Right. In, in the way that I'm looking at it. Yeah. Right. And I just, I don't see a ton out of him in the long run either. I just, like, you look at, you see, like, I feel like with, like, Pat Connaughton, Jake Lehman, and the, these other guys who played that similar role for Portland when they were drafted, like, you saw definitely what they could, they could provide, and you, you saw that they could, you know, maybe latch on and be a good rotation player. I, I just, I, yeah, it's only been a handful of chances to actually see it i just don't see it out of cj ellaby so yeah i'd rather have those guys than cj ellaby yeah exactly. and, well, and, and 
and, and thank you though. Uh, you know, <laughs> the CJ or the, the we got we got the Chris's and the CJ's and the juniors. Lots of du duplications going on around here. Uh, and you know, speaking of duplications, duplications. If I can say that word correctly, we have lots of duplications. So much so that my tongue is getting tied. But it is time for one more du duplication. <laughs> it is time for one more duplication. It is time for this week's edition of Simmons Watch. We were talking about the end of the roster. Now we're moving straight up back to the top. The face I'm making at you right now because you're making <laughs> me talk about Ben Simmons again is why this podcast yep. needs to be Every uh, on, time. A, on a video blog and on YouTube because <laughs> the world needs to know that I'm giving you the same eye roll that they're all giving oh, you. Oh, man. I'm sure. I'm sure the world can feel your glare from the way that I had to awkwardly laugh and break away from that commentary. But yes, we're going to talk about it because it's it's it still is an issue. It's a big God, discussion weird. point for, for Blazers fans. We're, we're ESPN uh, and Ben Simmons is our Tim Tebow. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm fine with this. I'm... <laughs> Much like Tebow, the Simmons market is shrinking fast. <laughs> we talked last week with Jamie. Shout out to her again. Hey! On reports that Portland was concerned about Ben's fit next to Dame, whether that's real concern or whether it was just smoke. Uh, well, now it seems like maybe some other teams are having the same kind of thoughts. Minnesota, the other major trade partner, potential trade partner that uh, seemed to be discussing things with Philly, now sounds unwilling to include Carl Anthony Towns or uh, Anthony Edwards in discussions for for Ben Simmons. Sure. This is coming from a local local reporter in Minnesota, Darren Wolfson. Uh, he says the Wolves' president of operations. Uh, I'm gonna massacre this name, Gerson Rosas. I'm not really sure if that's Gerson Rosas. That's okay. Anyway, uh, the Wolves' president of operations, Rosas, told Sixers everybody else is on the table. But they'd also like to keep D'Angelo Russell since Russell and Simmons have a relationship. So we're talking Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell. Minnesota's basically saying are off the table for a Simmons trade. That's like if Blazers said, you can't have Dame, you can't have CJ, you can't have Nurk, you can't have Rocco, but hey, you know. Oh, you probably can't have Anthony Simons either. We'd like to keep them here. But what else would you like? Uh, there's it's, a little, I don't know. I think there's, well... It's getting low on the totem pole. D'Angelo Russell, I think... I, I, I think. Uh, could, could could be pulled or should be at least pulled. Uh, I'm not parting with Anthony Edwards after one year with what we saw from him to be a potential yeah, absolute that's fair. star. With you. And Carl Anthony Towns, uh, I think Carl Anthony Towns is actually wildly underrated because he Extremely, plays in Minnesota. Yeah. If Carl Anthony yeah, Towns so. were on a Philadelphia instead of a Joel Embiid. If you were in uh, either of the LA teams, a New York that get this crazy amount of pub, um, I think he'd definitely be in the conversation every single year for being one of the best centers in the league. Of course, health has been an issue. Uh, but Carl Anthony Towns is freaking phenomenal. So if I'm Minnesota, yeah. I'm trying to build something. I'm like, yeah, I want Cat here. I want Anthony Edwards here. And then I look at Ben Simmons and then I look at D'Angelo Russell and I honestly would be like, Okay, maybe he's, he's not the shooter that D Russ is, but uh, he's gonna <laughs> all league defender uh, can, can cause some matchup problems. An elite passer, I'd be willing to give up D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons, and I think that team would be holy. I mean, let's this is like I got I got a great defender in Simmons. I got Cat who's gonna lock down the paint right next to him, and I'm just gonna let Anthony Edwards just go be a stud. That's a, just just go off. I'd yeah, it. I'd do it. <laughs> I think it's interesting though. Uh, 
Keith, and, and we can talk about possible landing spots for this other player too. But I think, I think uh, Houston going public with with looking to to get rid of and, and allow John Wall to find a new right. landing spot. Um, yeah, could mix that situation up too. Because I I honestly look at again what Philadelphia needs, and I think having uh, just that true guard Ooh. who can go score um, would definitely help them a lot. And I think, I mean, if I'm Houston, I'm probably placing calls to be like okay so can we build a, a package that starts around john wall for ben simmons and then add the pieces around later because um, i think john wall makes philadelphia really really good because he, he gives them what they what gives them what they need and he's again when yeah. healthy a great defender he's going to be able to shoot the three ball take a, alleviate some of the scoring off of uh, joel Embiid, and get ben simmons out of there so um, i think it's really interesting uh, right now, the Ben Simmons situation and the John Wall situation, if you're a Blazer fan, because uh, you could be in the running for one of them. And regardless, both of them could have a huge, huge impact on your team. Because say John Wall gets traded to the Clippers. How does that impact the Blazers' playoff chances? Say Ben right. Simmons gets traded to, to, to Minnesota. Or either one of them gets traded to New Orleans. Like uh, the, these teams that you know were not playoff teams are on the fringe and they could get that much better how does that impact portland so if you're portland all eyes are on these two players right now because they could have a huge impact whether they land in portland or not i i'm gonna say this john wall's contract i don't know exactly it's something like 44 million this next season and 47 million the next season after that so his his numbers are exorbitant enough that it is going to be tough for any team. I, I hear you. I've also heard that the Clippers are interested, but it seems like one of these things where I don't know how they make a deal work. The same way with New Orleans. I don't know what they have to give away, what they have to make a deal, even just work on paper for that kind of money. It's, it's just a it's a huge cap uh, cap hit that John Wall is going to take up. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that's kind of a limiting factor. Uh, what the what kind of deals can really be made? But I think you're right on the money, though. As far as as Philly goes, John Wall, the same way that we're seeing CJ could fit so well in Philly, giving them what they don't have a lot of here. John Wall brings a lot to the table that would help Philly out, and a that would lot. put Ben Simmons theoretically down in Houston, and that's not necessarily great for the Blazers either. So yeah, it's uh, keep an eye on that one for sure. Yeah, but it's, uh, but 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 is Houston a better city for young socialites? <laughs> or is Minnesota either? If we're talking about that one too, Minnes yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like uh, yeah. I think Minnesota would not jive well for Ben Simmons. That's, Minnesota's an interesting spot. I I don't I don't mind it. I just wouldn't want to live in that cold part of the year. Yeah, yeah. I'm I I I'm already preparing uh, this fall and winter to deal with kind of the the actual winters that show up up here on the gorge. I'm not. I can't even fathom what it would be like to live in Minnesota. Dude, you're gonna get, for, you're gonna uh, get uh, screwed living there in, in Hood River. You need to uh, you need to pack up early because you're gonna run into those times of year where 84 is closed. You know, like <laughs> I got nowhere to go, man. I'm I'm out here. I, I I got everything out here that I need. I'm I'm ready to go. Just just hunker down. It'll be good. Uh, but let's get back to the other side of this trade, this theoretical trade potential that may or may not ever happen and influence the Blazers one way or the other. CJ. So, I got on to the Trailcasters account, not on Twitter, but on Reddit, and I posted a poll. I asked, are the Blazers going to make another trade? And I put the options out there as preseason for CJ, preseason for role players only, 
mid-season for CJ, mid-season for role players only, and then two no options, essentially. Neil already said he tr uh, he'll say he tried, but no moves were available, or Neil said this, can this team's good enough as it is. So put those six options out there on Reddit. Listeners, if you're only on Twitter, we got 860 total votes. No, more than that. That was only like two days of the votes. I didn't even check the final poll before the, the podcast today. I should probably go and check the final outcome. But in the first two days of this uh, poll on Reddit, almost a thousand votes. Twitter, you guys got to step up your tweets. We never get that kind of interaction over there. Reddit is just the home for Rip City right now as far as, uh, as, far as some of that, that fan interaction seems concerned. Poor Twitter. Oh, I'd say. Poor Twitter. <laughs> but as far as the actual results, we had 30% of those 800, 860 votes. 30% of those 860 votes going to say, Neil will say he tried, but no moves were available. Uh, that was the over the largest chunk. The next largest chunk was saying a mid-season trade for CJ would happen. And after that, it was a pre-season trade for CJ. So what this tells me, Chris, we have Rip City fans divided between CJ is getting traded, whether it's now or later, or it's going to be basically more from Neil shrugging his shoulders saying, oh, there was no no player out there that swung the needle, so we're just going to run it back again. But hey, that team's a contender anyways. How does this make you feel? How Which which of these categories do you fall in with at this point? What is your what is your perception today on the future of, uh, of CJ in this roster? Oh, man. It's so tough because I think that they... I like CJ. I think there's success to be had with him. I think that he is your most movable piece, though, um, if you truly want to get better um, and bring in a big name. I think at this point, I think I think mid-season, if he gets moved, is definitely your most likely um, at this point um, because I, you fans know how Neil likes to work, and I think he really is the type of GM and who wants to see his assets perform first so i think he's going to want to see what he has in macklemore snell and larry nance jr and if that oh and, and cody zeller um to see if those guys around his core makes the team overall better um and if you know he doesn't see it then then i think that's when the trades really come into place for cj unless billy comes calling and does offer ben simmons with you gotta pull the trigger if you don't you're an idiot um but yeah i think i think at this point i think the ship is kind of sailed on a preseason deal for cj mccollum i i really feel as 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 hard as it is to to hear i think run it back is what this team is doing i think the blazers are in a really interesting spot though keith because you look at what local media has said you look at what you and i have said you look at what national media has said i don't think there's a general consensus on the blazers uh i, I you've seen them you it's a very good you, like You've seen people peg them as one of the top three teams in the West. You've seen people peg them as on the outside looking in of the playoffs. So they're like, I think a lot of other teams, like you look at the Lakers, people are like, yep, that's a top team in the West. You look at the Clippers, you're like, yep, that's top team in the West. Denver, top team in the West. Minnesota, yeah, they're a bottom. Sacramento Kings, yeah, they're a bottom. New Orleans, they're right on the fringe. Portland is really, really up and down. So All over the place. So <laughs> it's easy to, to pick it apart and try to decide what you want to do. But I also think it's interesting because I don't like 
you're running you're running back your starting lineup but you're not running back the exact same team at this point and i think obviously the trade for the trade for larry and Ants jr is what really shook that up to me because you you fill the keyhole that you had in your backup four you got rid of the of Derek jones jr who was just creating a log jam at a position that you it, he was going to struggle to see the court anyway um so i think at this point run it back as it won't people wanted to hear but i'm very optimistic and excited to see what this new look of running it back can do because i do think they can be very successful but i also think the bottom could fall out like you know what i mean i i get <laughs> i get why they're so up and down because this team is an enigma right now once again the the master of segways showing off his professionalism not in the segways this time but chris you wrapped that up in such a nice bow where you you were real about it we, we might fall the bottom might fall out but i have hope you you provided a nice total package on there that said like we're not necessarily running it back it's the same it's a lot of the same roster but there have been changes and the larry nance jr trade is a big one the chauncey billups coaching change is a big one we're gonna see a lot we're potentially gonna see a lot of difference on that end and hey one more tidbit from jamal crawford when when he and i were talking yesterday friend of the show jamal obviously he gave a <laughs> shout out to trailcasters he hey! heard me say the name uh, he even said that he'd be down to come on the show, too. So we'll make that happen maybe at some point. He did say it. That's on record now. Uh, but uh, what was the point I was making? Oh, uh, he said about the team. He sees Chauncey's uh, uh, ability to change this team defensively could be huge. We could be looking at middle-of-the-pack defense. And if we're talking about middle-of-the-pack defense and anywhere near the offense we had last season, that is a contender, Chris. So it's there's a lot to be hopeful for. A world of difference. A yeah. world of difference if this team can be better on the defensive end Pro the offense is not a problem you're gonna be one of the top probably 10 offensives even if you're bad <laughs> like with damon and look like uh, yeah sorry sorry what <laughs> yeah, look you mentioned uh the starting lineup being the same too like that's the part we're running back even with the other changes underneath the starting lineup last year at the, for the small sample they were healthy having dame cj norm roko and nurk that was a top 10 defense i think that was the ninth overall net rating in the nba last year the problem was health the problem was having them play consistent games together yeah so if, that's if, yeah no you're right if nurk if nurk is fully healthy um and this is something we'll, we'll talk about in, in later episodes especially with it being a contract year and a lot to prove yada 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 like uh, it, that's a world of difference. Not only does he make the defense better, he makes the offense better when he's on the floor. Yep. Um, and then and Billups wants to use him. Yeah. So yeah and we're, then we're the, see more the second half of the year with the three guard lineup, it, it was much better than the first half of the year. Uh, and like I said, Larry Nance Jr. Uh, I think is is if, if the Blazers if the Blazers do have a very productive year this year, then Larry Nance Jr. is your unsung hero. Like. I was not completely sold on the situation that the Blazers were walking into until that trade because I think he can improve that set that uh, second unit that much. Like a much better defender than than Carmelo Anthony still has the yeah. still has the <laughs> the springs in the legs which, which Melo kind of lost can can still score but doesn't have to be the go to guy. Uh, and then again, like we haven't seen what Billups does, like. That's the thing that's interesting is the, is is the the black cloud that follows Billups got all the attention when he was signed and it should have it, it, it rightfully yeah, should deservedly so it deservedly should be a topic of conversation um, 
but now it's time to see what he can do on the court. And I think when yeah. it comes to coaching, I think he's going to be a breath of fresh air on the defensive side from what Stotts was doing. And let's be real. Yeah, Stotts was good on the on the offensive side of the ball. But if you don't think that Dame and CJ are both kind of player coaches when it comes to just running the offense free-flowing because they know what they're doing, you're kind of crazy. So <laughs> let me focus on what you do bad, which is defense and offense. I'm just going to let you boys go do your thing. So, yeah, I... I I, I, I'm I'm more optimistic about this team than I was at the end of last year and during the off season. Yes. So it's like I said, it ebbs, it flows, it's up and down. That it's our feelings on the Blazers are the Blazers. They're up and down, and you never know what you're gonna get with them, man. But but it's <laughs> but that's what that's what makes it fun. I I do think this team can be very very successful. But I do think the the, the worst case scenario could be a bad one. That's that's the scary part. That's the unnerving part. Well, we got to watch. We got to wait and see what happens for it. It's right around the corner, though. 21 more days. It's right around Look, the corner. What's that? It's right around oh, the corner. That's so close. I got, I, so got, close. I got like three weeks for someone to employ me so I can cover the basketball season, okay? Please. <laughs> for, for, for all you, you can cover it right for here. All you, hire. you can cover it right here on Trailcasters. We'll, we'll get, a, <laughs> we'll get all, all the – we'll well, get them coming to us. You don't pay me yeah. well. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll, get, uh, we'll get some uh, some Patreon or maybe we'll get you an OnlyFans going see how that helps for <laughs> All right. Well, in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, as always, Chris Burkhart. Thank you, Odar, for the fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. <laughs> awesome, bro.